Well, good morning again on this glorious Easter morning. Um, I'd like to share a few thoughts with you. So, especially the last few days, I've been thinking an awful lot about uh, the disciples who were huddled in the upper room after Jesus's uh, crucifixion uh, and before Easter morning, and even that evening on Easter Easter evening when Jesus came to them as a risen Christ. And when you think about it, uh, John tells us that they were they had the doors locked for fear of the Jews. So what was going through their minds? They were they were in fear. What they expected to happen at that point hadn't happened yet. Uh, at least they didn't know that it had happened. They they were expecting that Jesus was going to usher in a whole new age, and and he did, but they didn't know it yet. See, if you go back to last Sunday on Palm Sunday, they were with Jesus as he came into Jerusalem, as he rode in on a donkey as a king. And the crowds, there were thousands, perhaps up to a million people present that were there for pilgrimage on the Passover. And as Jesus came into the city on this donkey, the crowds shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David. And they were waving palm branches and laying down their cloaks and palm branches to create a royal carpet for him. And, and some wanted to crown him king. Some thought he would become king and, and he would overthrow the Roman oppression. And then Jesus goes to the temple and he sees what had happened in the temple, how the temple had become, become an abomination, how it had been perverted, how the house of God, for worship and for prayer had been turned into a den of thieves where money changers took people's money and ripped them off and and you went to buy sacrifices to make in the temple uh, and again you got ripped off and, and it was just making money hand over fist it was not the house of God anymore the way that the Lord intended it and Jesus got angry and he overturned the money changers tables and he he went through that temple in a fit of righteous anger. And remember, this is what, this was the opportunity that the leadership in Jerusalem was waiting for because they wanted to get rid of Jesus. Ever since he raised Lazarus from the dead, the scriptures tell us that they sought to eliminate him. And so now they had a reason. Jesus was creating in their eyes a riot to try to overthrow the Romans, overthrow their rule, they being, meaning the, the leadership in the temple, the high priests and all the different leaders. So now they want the Jesus dead and gone. And a few days later, Jesus is in the upper room with his closest friends to celebrate the Passover, just as Jews all around the world today are celebrating Passover. And what is Passover? Well, if you remember, you go back to the book of Exodus, the the Jews, who hadn't yet been called Jews, by the way, they were Hebrews or Israelites. They were in bondage, physical bondage. They were slaves in Egypt, a number of them. And God sent Moses to deliver his people from the bondage of slavery in Egypt. So Moses went to Pharaoh and he said, let my people go. And if you remember, there's a series of 10 different plagues and it wasn't until that last plague that Pharaoh finally relented and said, go ahead and leave, take these people out of here. And that last plague was the angel of death coming through Egypt and smiting the firstborn of all of Egypt, animals and, and humans. But 
the Hebrews were saved because Moses was instructed by God, tell the people to kill a lamb and to take the lamb's blood and to mark the door posts and the lintels of each of the house of those believers. And when the angel of death comes through and sees the shed blood of the lamb marking the entrance to their homes, the angel of death will pass over and move on. And this is why we celebrate Passover. This is why the Jews have celebrated Passover ever since. But remember, for us as Christians, Jesus is the true Paschal Lamb. Paschal meaning Passover. He is the true Lamb, and it's his blood shed on the cross for you, for me, for the whole world. It's his blood that saves us from the angel of death. Because when sin entered the world at the fall of mankind in the garden, we created a separation between us and God. And God's perfect creation was unfortunately fallen now by our own choice, our own free will. And God's will is not for that to be. God's will is for us to be reconciled with him so that we can live forever as he originally intended live forever with him, be in full communion with him. And so Jesus came, the Son of God entered into the, into the world, and he came and willingly took up the cross and went to the cross and died on the cross for you and for me, because that's what we deserve. He was, sin, he was sinless. Scriptures say he became sin who knew no sin for you and for me. And he died, he was taken down from that cross, he was laid in the tomb, and on the third day he rose. And this is what awaits all of us who believe. Resurrection for all eternity. No death, no corruption, no sickness, eternal life with the Lord. But there is a catch. Some people think that you can earn that eternal life. That somehow if you're a good enough person, if you do enough good things, if you donate to enough charities, if you help enough people, if you go to church often enough, a whole list of different things that you can do that somehow you can earn that gift of eternal life. And that is absolutely false. The only way that you can earn that gift of eternal life that grace that God showers upon us is by your faith, by accepting the Lord Jesus for who he is and for what he did for you and for me and for the whole world. But remember, this faith is something that comes from the depths of your soul. It's not something that's just in your mind. You cannot just know or think in your mind that you believe, you have to believe from your heart, from the depths of your soul, that our Lord Jesus is God incarnate, and he went to the cross to pay the penalty to make it right. In the garden, just before Jesus was arrested, excuse me, in the garden, just before Jesus was arrested, he prayed, Father, if it's possible that this cup can pass from me, let it be, but not my will, your will. The will that Jesus was talking about, God the Father's will, was not that Jesus should die. 
God's will was for us to be reconciled to him. And so not my will, but your will. That's what we need to pray every day, because our will really is to just have a good time, to be surrounded by the stuff of the world. This is why I think so many people right now are having such a hard time during this coronavirus lockdown, where we really are told we have to stay in our homes as much as possible and not be out in the world. And we're so tied to the things of the world that this becomes a difficult thing for us. But as I said earlier, I've been thinking about the apostles, the early, early church up in the upper room, huddling and having the doors locked for fear of the Jews. It's, it's sort of a, a similar type of, of feeling for many of us because we're being forced into this lockdown. Not for fear of the Jews, but being forced into it for fear of this pandemic. Uh, or for fear of us catching it or us giving it to somebody else. And so what an opportunity for us to have a renewal, to really, what to focus. What did those apostles do while they were huddled in that upper room? They were waiting from the time Jesus died on the cross. They're praying, the scriptures say, they're focused. They're opening their hearts up to God and whatever God's will for, for them was. We need to be doing the exact same thing right now. And I believe, I believe that when this is all done and over with, there's going to be a resurgence in the church. There'll be a renewal. God's Holy Spirit is breathing new life into us as individuals and, of course, collectively as the church. So take this opportunity to really focus on your relationship with the Lord. If it's not where you want it to be, make it where you want it to be. Spend time in his word every single day. Spend time in prayer every single day. Be drawn close to him. Even though we physically can't be together right now, we certainly are in spirit. And when we get out of this and it's time to come together physically and worship again, you know what they say, absence makes the heart grow fonder. I pray that we really appreciate the opportunities that we're given to worship God any place and any time. Worship him in your home right now. Worship him with your family right now. And soon we'll be able to worship him wherever we want. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.